the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Question for you. Are you a servant of God? Are you a slave of the King Most High? If so, then there are some directions for you out of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring the teaching staff of Grace Bible Church. We find ourselves with Angelo Dima today here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 26. It's here that the Apostle Paul talks about the Lord's servant and what they must not be and what they must be. Please join us for a conversation of the fourth dimensional slave. Here's Angelo with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. So let's get into our text in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and we'll look at verses 23 through 26. Now there's a lot of verses here and I would say that I will not be able to expound every jot and tittle of these verses. But if I can encourage you to look deeper into these things, then I've simply done my job. My job is to encourage you to look at these things and to edify the saints and comfort God's people. If I can do those things, blessed be the name of our God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 26. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do engender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Now, the title of this lesson is The Fourth Dimensional Slave. I know that seems kind of strange, but we'll get into that. The subject is conversation, and we understand the word conversation is used in the King James Version, and it's often referred to as the conduct of the believer, but it's also the conduct of the leadership, conversation. And what do I mean by the fourth dimensional slave? Well, as we're looking into this text and we're going over these points and subpoints that I've written down for you in your outline, I want you to view the church as having four walls. And when you're looking at a movie or a set or a TV screen, all you're seeing is four sides, or uh, three sides actually, the two sides to your left and right, and then your back side, right? The far, far wall. That's what appear to be three-dimensional, right? Well, you're always missing the fourth 
part or the fourth wall when you're looking into a screen or a theater, right? You're not seeing what's behind you. So I want to say this, that the fourth dimensional slave is the gospel preacher who's been called by God by his sovereign grace to be amongst the people, who's to be real with the people, who's not to be hiding anything, and therefore he's fourth dimensional. You see everything about the gospel preacher. He's not doing things hidden in a corner. He's doing these things because he's been called of God, and therefore when you're called, you will do as you're told by your master who calleth you. And this master, I submit to you, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So in that regard, fourth dimensional means... It is a real person. He's really trying to plead with sinners to believe the gospel. He's trying to conduct himself the best he can. He falls, but he gets back up. He's a sinner, but he's saved. But he's real. And he's not a fake. He's not a phony. And he's not a fraud. He's fourth dimensional. You see all the walls. This is the four square church. So my first point is proper footing stops the push. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's get to the text here in verse 23. The foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do engender strife. Now, as a gospel preacher, a pastor, or a teacher, it is important that like with any martial arts, you have to have a firm footing. Because if you don't have firm footing, you can easily be pushed to the left or to the right or backwards. And you're going to experience these things, even as a believer, living out your life according to the grace of God that is in you. You're going to be pushed by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's proper and right to want to know what proper footing is. So I'm going to read to you one verse that I saw that David had. And David was pushed left and right. And he struggled with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and everything that would come. He had firm footing. And he says here in Psalm 18, verse 33, He, that is God, makes my feet like a deer. So also, with firm footing, you have to be able to run as quick as a deer because you want to flee from youthful lust, as we have seen in subsequent verses. Now, if you're a hunter and you've hunted deer for venison you know that the deer is instinctly aware of all of its surroundings. And if it hears the smallest unusual sound, it's going to run as fast as it can. Have you experienced that before? Just on a hike, if you see a deer and you are walking up to it and it perks its ears up, it may stall for a second, but it's already assessing the situation is going to run as quickly as possible. So along with firm footing, you must be quick to avoid things that are going to be for distraction or that are going to be for your harm. And he talks about how God puts him on uh, and sets me on high places. He puts my feet upon a rock. Now, the greatest example of what that rock is is in the scriptures, and that rock is Christ. Do you agree with that? So we want to be placed on the rock, which is Christ, and we also want to be aware that we need to run if we have to, to avoid things that may cause us harm. So my first question in sub-point A off our first point is this. What causes strife? Now I think this is a very important question for you who may have families. You guys argue in your families. You have debates. You have disagreements. Um, If you don't, uh, I need to learn from you because uh, in my experience, that's just what happens because everyone has a personality and everyone has a different view or way of looking at things. Is that not true? 
All right, so we have some honest people here today, and that's great. Honesty will help you to grow. So, in my family, we debate all the time. I usually uh, try and win, but it's hard because my kids are a lot smarter than me. But anyway, man by nature wants to be right. Whether he's wrong or whether he's right, man will always seek to be right. It's in his nature. Why? Why? What causes strife? Wouldn't you want to know if there's an argument? Let's take the marriage institution, for example, and you're arguing left and right. Well, what is the cause of that and why is that happening? Well, turn to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, and let's see what the scriptures say is the reason why people have strife amongst themselves. And maybe most of you know this, and it's very important to put this into the back of your pocket. And every time there's an argument taking place, whether you were watching it from somewhere else or you're actually in the argument, you can say, okay, I got it. Well, this is the reason why God tells us very plain, by pride comes nothing but strife. I think that's a different translation. Only by pride cometh Contention, which is another synonym for strife. Does anyone want to argue that? Okay, good. So, but with the well-advised is wisdom. So, what we are doing here and what Paul the Apostle is doing for Timothy is he is advising him on how to avoid these foolish and unlearned questions because the only reason they're coming is because of pride. And what we're going to see in this text is that We want to avoid strife because the leadership, the pastor, the teacher is a slave. And we're going to see that shortly here. So we can clearly see that pride is caused by man's fall. And because of the fall, the only thing that causes strife is pride. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, uh, Paul tells Timothy, Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those are benefited, are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. And that's what Paul is doing with Timothy. He is laying it all out. This is what you're going to experience. These are the type of people you're going to be involved with. Here's how you avoid all that. Avoiding those who are given to error and greed. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, meaning if they're going about striving about words to no profit, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, and that's what we're dealing with, Pride, the people that conduct themselves this way are proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself." Is that going on in the church? Is that taking place with the leadership? These are questions that we should ask ourselves to make sure that we are 
not going down ways that are displeasing to God. Wouldn't that be a good thing to ask? These are serious, serious things. And then he follows up that text with, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. So any church where you have a row in front of you called the $500 row, and behind that you have the $200 row, you have failed to see what Paul told Timothy. And you are in grave danger because that will promote pride, arrogance, and every evil thing. The apostles that were under our Lord's teaching, the twelve apostles, had this pride issue themselves. And we all do, because that's our nature in its fallen state. And we have to war with it. Well, how do I know that? Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 22, and we'll look at verses 24 through 27. And so it's important for even the believer can fall into these traps and snares and gins that will cause for strife and arguments that will actually be unedifying and will not build up the church. So even the apostles under the teaching of our Lord and Savior had to be checked because they would ask the question themselves, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And it says here, and there was also strife among them, that is the apostles, which of them should be accounted the greatest? So you have John, the one whom the Lord said he loved, who put his head in the bosom of the Savior, his heart, and heard it beat. He's of this fold too. And he is one that is saying, it's all of them that are saying, who is the greatest? And Christ said unto them, the king of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is the greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Remember, Christ was giving the example because he came as a slave to do the will of his Father, and he served his apostles. And he is the greatest example. So we must ask ourselves, am I this way? Am I serving the Lord because... That is the way to attain being the greatest? Or am I trying to get into the spotlight through other means? The way up is down. He that exalteth himself shall be abased. The way of the kingdom is to serve. Why do I say that? It's because our Savior gave the example as how to, we're to walk. So sub-point B, let's jump into who is father of them that are proud. So this is something we need to get a little bit deeper in understanding who is the one that is father to them that are proud, those who are prideful, who would uh, give foolish and unlearned questions and seek to uh, cause strife among brethren. Who is the one that this all comes from? Who can we look to and see who is the one that is the father of all the proud. I remember reading this years ago in Job chapter 41, verses 33 through 34. And I'll just read those uh, two verses here. And if you read that whole chapter, Job 41, you get a big picture of 
who this uh, Leviathan, this serpent is. But it says, upon earth there is not his like. There's no one equal to him who is made without fear. He upholdeth all, all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Now who is this? It's Lucifer, the devil. And he is the father of them that are proud. Now, the shameful thing is, we as believers can be proud, but the question, if we're thoughtful believers, is to ask whether or not, am I the child of the devil, or am I the child of the Father, which is in heaven, who gave his Son a ransom for sinners? It's a very important question. In Psalm 73, verses 5 through 6, it talks about the proud. They are not in trouble as other men. They don't feel their sin like we do. They don't understand their need of righteousness. In Psalm 73, 5 through 6, it says, Neither are they plagued like other men. They don't feel their plague. They don't feel their leprosy. They don't feel their sin and need of a Savior. Therefore, pride compassed them about as a chain, and violence covered them as a garment. They always want to war. And that's what we're seeing in the text. Remember, we want to be tethered to the text here. We're seeing that uh, foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they engender strife. Strife is caused by pride. Okay, so those are very sobering and important things to consider if we are in leadership and just on a useful note as believers. If this is the case, let's move to sub-point C. How are we then to strive? We talked about this earlier in our earlier studies. So let's look at two types of striving. There's the one that we saw in subsequent verses, which is athelio, or athlete, as we saw. One who's striving to do things right, to enter into the kingdom. And then there's this uh, striving about words, which is logo akia, which means basically, we know the logos means word, right? That other part, which I'm not going to say again, (laughs) is basically uh, striving about words. And that's what we're seeing here in this type of striving. But how are we as believers to strive? We saw in subsequent verses in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, in the same chapter there, if any man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. That's the athlete type of striving. We, ta- we went into examples of Paul the Apostle who talked about racing. He saw the mark of the high calling which is found in Christ Jesus, and that's how he ran. He talked about the race and that there's only one that wins the prize. That's how we're to, to win. We're not to be concerned about others pushing them out of the way, doing whatever we can to obtain that prize unlawfully, but there's rules within running the race. And that's one type of striving. But there's also the striving which is about words. And that is going to create uh, an atmosphere of strife, and strife being the product of pride. And because people do that, you have to ask yourself, why are they doing that? 
Doesn't it make more sense to strive to enter into the straight gate? For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. That's what we're told. So if you're too busy striving about words to no effect, to non-edification, you're leaving off with striving to enter into the gate. And that's a dangerous place to be in. So let's go to um, point number two. More than a servant. So when we see this text here, uh, and the servant. Now, this servant word, servant, is actually slave. John MacArthur did a study on this, and he talked about how when these translations were made, the older King James Version was written in such a way because slave had such a negative connotation to it, they would use the word servant because servant kind of made you feel like, okay, you're a little bit better than a slave, so let's just insert servant, which is actually a disservice to the text, in my opinion, and my view. Um, a servant generally will have some type of reward or payment or something given to them for their services rendered. The slave gets nothing, right? Nothing. The slave is to be obedient. He is not to question his master. He is just to do what he is told. If he does not, he suffers punishment. But Paul, the apostle, tells Timothy that he himself is a slave by giving him this verse in 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. So that is a command. That is a New Testament command that Paul is laying out that you are a slave of Christ. Now remember, a slave is the Lord's free man. So everyone's either a slave of the system, a slave of Satan, a slave because they're dead in sins and trespasses in times past in whom we all walked and had our, our course. But if we're saved, blood-bought, sovereign grace, saved sinners, we are made slaves of Christ in His righteousness. We may disobey, we'll, get, we'll, we'll suffer for it, but we're still slaves nonetheless. And we'll see a little bit of that as we go. In Matthew 23, 11, I reiterate this point. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And that servant is the same word we're seeing here, doulos, which means slave. Does anyone want to be a slave? Because we are a slave of the enemy, or we're a slave of the one who saves us, which is God himself. This is impossible with men, yet possible with the meek. Now, what is somebody who's meek? Let's see here. In verse 24, And the servant of the Lord uh, must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. Now we're seeing how we're to behave ourselves. What is the conversation, as we see in our subject for the text? What is our conduct? Well, this is how we're to behave ourselves. It's impossible to have these attributes and behave yourself accordingly. But it is possible with God. You guys are all familiar with the verse in Luke 18, verse 27. Why don't you turn there so you guys will know it and you can bring it up with anyone who may argue the fact that to be this way is impossible by just our fallen nature. But it is possible with God because the scriptures do say... The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. 
Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or If you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version, and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's grace-bible.com. And again, if you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. 9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5, or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or call 510-886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you'd like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886- 9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.